Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, John Opelowski. How are you today, John? Jim, I'm good. It's good to be in the studio with you. I always, uh, I always enjoy this this kind of recording. Yeah. It's it's funny. It's a nice break from just the the day to day and to yeah. to think outwardly and say how is it? What what are the words that God could use today through us that could help somebody? Uh, yep. It's a joy. It's a joy to do. It this. really so is. We welcome our listeners. We're glad that you guys are here. And as promised, we're going to be talking about today in episode forty-seven, uh, holding on to your calling. And you gave us kind of a teaser last week saying that, you know, what this would be about. But there's a lot of discouragement with change, with uh, the change of questions, change of answers, change of dynamics, the change of people that are following us, uh, the fear, the anger, the frustration, the uncertainty. There's probably not been a more challenging time of leading since maybe 9-11 or Y2K or one of those major global issues. And I know a lot of guys are starting to question whether or not, you know, and gals, are, are, are we the right stuff for the job anymore? And I hope that today, as promised, there's going to be some some answers to help us figure that out. Yeah, Jim, you know, it's not just some folks that are wondering. There are some people who are actually tossing in the towel. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we have seen since, I, I would say probably for the last three months, about a month and a half in, you know, everything was like normal for us. But yeah. about six weeks into the quarantine and then some of the other problems our country has been experiencing, there was this tidal wave of leaders coming to us. Uh, uh, we had more 911 calls in June this year than we've had it four years combined. Wow. Um, just wow. in a flood of guys and gals yeah. who are struggling, who are depressed and anxious, and the growth, and the growth curve of that has, has spiked significantly. And so what I'd like to do today, if it's all right with you, is, is to explore some questions yeah. around mental and emotional health for leaders, and hopefully we can unpack some some good answers. Right on. Um, Let's to get those started. Questions. Yeah, hit us. Okay, so the first question that I I think uh, we're getting from well, well, I don't even know if we're getting this from leaders, but I think just as you look at the whole the whole package here, what why is mental health among leaders such an, a hidden issue? You know, why is right. it such a problem? And, um, you know, I think there's a couple of reasons. I'm interested in what you think, too. But here, here's, here's the first one. I think we're trained yeah. to uh, hide it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Consciously or unconsciously, we are, we are trained. It's modeled to us. Yeah. And I think, I think in some uh, tribes in the kingdom of God, there is this sense of you never show weakness. Yeah. Um, and uh, unfortunately, what that lends to is leaders admitting they can never struggle. You know, like, yeah. I, I can't admit that I, I'm struggling. How do people reconcile that with half of the Psalms and Paul saying he's despairing of life and Moses saying, why don't you just kill me and get this over with? I mean, we have so many leaders in Scripture right. that, that either wanted to die or wanted to leave or wanted to quit, that they despaired of life, that, yep. uh, you know, pressed down not, but not crushed, you know, persecuted but not abandoned. I mean, there's really? no there's no glossing over leadership in the body of Christ in the Bible that yeah. we should be shocked that 
there's difficult times, but we are, aren't we? I'm wondering if, and I'm wondering, Jim, if the modeling is is more influential in our lives than even the scripture. I'm yeah. not saying that the scripture isn't more influential, but but yeah. I think sometimes we pay more attention. Right. Maybe the culture wasn't built on scriptural to, principles. Right. Or we pay yeah. more attention to the people around us, yeah. our, 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 our leaders that we cut our teeth under, yeah. than we even do the Bible. And yeah. I know that I paid a lot more attention to those portions of scripture after I, I got into uh, real trouble with depression right. and anxiety. And then all of a sudden, those scriptures came alive <laughs> to me, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know exactly what the answer is to that, but I yeah. think those might be a couple of the reasons why. Yeah, so so that the culture doesn't—we don't think. I think it does, but we don't think as leaders that the culture would applaud our weaknesses. Right. As if they were not to be relatable, were to be more of a Jesus figure you got who it. sweated dra- uh, great drops of blood and begged for this cup to pass from him in prayer right. as if he never had a bad day, right, or, yeah. or felt something contrary to what he what he wanted to live. You we're, got it. Yeah, we're surrounded by—I I th- I think you're right, though. I don't want to, to admit I'm wrong. I don't want to admit I'm in need, and yet the Bible really stands opposed to that that sort of leadership. Absolutely, the greatest leaders in the Bible as well. And I think the other contributor to it being hidden is fear. I I think a leader who is struggling with anxiety anxiety or depression, they're afraid that if they open up about it, they might lose their job. Yeah. Uh, They might lose the uh, respect of the people they're leading. I think some of the thoughts that crossed my mind, Jim, was how how, if I— if I tell people what's really going on in my head and in my heart, are they even going to listen to me anymore? Yeah, or, right. Am I going to lose all credibility with them? So I think there, there's that factor that and, keeps it You know, you said hidden. anxiety and depression, but if I could add one to that list, just discouragement. Yes. I think some people, if I'm discouraged and people find out I'm discouraged, how can mm-hmm. I lead from a place of discouragement? I mean, that's and good. I, and again, but point to anybody who did anything, anything great for God in their day. That didn't know that really the weight of discouraging seasons. It's almost yeah. like God gives somebody a promise and then it dies a horrible, agonizing death, almost universally throughout Scripture, so that He can resurrect it mm-hmm. supernaturally. Whether it's the resurrection of Jesus or Moses being called back into that position of being delivered or David, yeah. you know, uh, being king. And I, there's just about every sacred story we have with a hero involves some promise that looked like it would never come to pass, or it, yeah. it, it was certainly killed at some point. And then God resurrected it. So, and it was and it was a long stretch of time too, right. as I recall. Like for <laughs> yes. David, he was anointed to be king, and it was fourteen years later until that happened. You know, so right. he had to go through some stuff. Yeah, and he wasn't greasy anymore, right? That that oil that you know the prophet put on him was gone a long time That's before true. that. Yep. And he had to figure out just to kind of hold on to those promises through discouraging times. Yeah, yeah. So what else you got there? So here's the second question I'd like us to talk about: is what causes the high rate of anxiety and depression among leaders. Yeah. You know, because, Jim, the the, the rate uh, for a, the layperson of depression in the United States is about 1 in 10. Yeah. For pastors, it's 4 in 10. Whoa. So it's four times wow. the uh, rate of depression. And anxiety is the, is, is the same. It's the same deal. Yeah. And so, you know, there's probably a, more contributors to the rate of depression and anxiety among leaders than we have time for today. Sure. Uh, but I'd like to point out three and get your get your thoughts on them real yeah. quick. The first one is separation anxiety. Okay. And by that I mean when you have people responsibility disengaging from your work is a, is a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, leadership is influence. I think John Maxwell said that. Yeah. But here's what he didn't say is that it's intrusive many oh, yeah. times. Yeah. So what do you think about that piece of I, it? I absolutely agree. And I don't know a single 
uh, we're going to call them successful pastors. I don't know what that means, but fruitful mm-hmm. pastors that haven't had to set up boundaries uh, so that it isn't completely intrusive. One of the things that made them right. successful was their ability to share their life. And one of the things that will burn them out is that they shared their life with too many people or too yeah. often marriages suffer, children suffer. Right. When I say preacher's kid, the picture that comes to mind is not necessarily a well-adjusted child who's, you know what I mean, who's mm-hmm. had a father that went to all the baseball games and a mother that, you know, wasn't upset about the people in the church. It generally is someone who has suffered on the familial end yep. of, uh, you know, which at the end of the stick of, of a handful of people that tried to make the pastor's lives miserable, right. you know. So there has to be boundaries. Every everything free has a has a wall protecting its freedom. And 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 as a leader, that's your responsibility. It is. Yeah. Uh, to do that, uh, no one will do it for you. Here's a, here's another reason. Uh, there's a high rate of anxiety and depression among leaders, and that's spiritual warfare. Absolutely. You know, every Christian uh, has to tussle with the devil at some level, but it seems like uh, leaders present a, a, a bigger target for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jesus said uh, about. He, he said this about himself, actually, strike the shepherd yeah. and the sheep will be scattered. And I think that, that this reality of spiritual warfare is true. It's true for leaders. It's especially true for pastors. And here's what I've observed. I wonder what you think about this, Jim, that the more a, a, a pastor's church grows or a ministry leader's ministry grows, the bigger the target sure. grows on his back or, his, or her back. Yeah, Absolutely. I think that uh, the two most dangerous times in a minister's life is, if you will, when, when uh, you know, one is the kind of the egg stage where the mm-hmm. devil can stop on a on a dream. Yeah. If, if, we have a saying around here: if you if you stomp on an egg, you don't have to fight a dragon. Mm. You know. And I think the other one is when it's it's fully matured and the, and the fall would be so great. Yes. And it would be so public, so destructive to so many lives that I. So yeah, I think if he can steal a dream early on, or he can destroy a leader as late and as popular as possible. Yeah. At, the, at their heyday, let's get them on the front page of the local newspaper or the national, you know. Right. And there's and there's just like this wear and tear, I think, that comes with that, Jim, because it's, yeah. it's sustained, or at yeah. least it feels that way. It is. It is. And so I think that contributes to it. Here's a third thing that contributes to that high rate, and that's societal dysfunction. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've talked about societal dysfunction's impact on leaders for years, yeah. and that, that message has never been more relevant than it is now. Yes. Yeah. Um, the complexity, the variety, and sheer number of problems that leaders are trying to navigate through have increased so dramatically in the last four or five months. Yeah. It's, it's just been, it's like this, I don't know what you think about this, Jim, but I, I used to believe this, that no matter what organization you led, church, business world, there's always 3% of the people who were not going to like anything you did, no matter what you did or yes. said. Yeah. I think that 3%, and I don't, this is anecdotal, okay, yeah has gone to 30%. Yeah. That the vocal 30%, 3% has, has grown 10 times. Yes. Uh, what do you think about that? I, I think that the devil doesn't care who's right. He just cares that we're, we're uh, you know, fighting. Yeah. So I, I think that we have been thrown so many divisive, frightening, frustrating issues in, you know, in the last few months that... Uh, you know, you say to a local pastor who's right, who's wrong. I don't think the devil cares who's right or wrong. He just cares that we're fighting. Yeah. So, and how do you say to people, listen, just stop when, when that is the, you know, that's what's happening all around them. Every TV show, every commercial, right. every social media post, it's, it's all, this is the news. It isn't something that's on the news. This is the news. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I think that it is a 30%. And I, unfortunately the pastor 
I, you know, I've compared it in the past to uh, the volume during Sunday morning worship. Yes. That if 40% say it's too loud and 40% say they'd like it louder and 20% say you're doing it right, you're actually doing it right, even though 80% of the people wish that you'd do it differently. Yeah. That's leadership today. And, and if we're going to manage, we have to, we have to understand that we're not going to make people happy. We're every man's servant, but we only have one master. Right. And that would be my advice is, man, make that one master happy and, uh, and trust that the 80% that are frustrated today will follow a person who follows the Lord in time. I had a pastor who told me that his people-pleasing issue has grown dramatically in the last four and a half months. I pity that person. And I mean, yeah, he's a great guy, good pastor, good leader. Yeah. Um, but that's real. He's, he's, he's been struggling with people pleasing for a while and it's gone on steroids now. Yeah. Uh, Boy, that's dangerous. Yeah, it it really is. So, so those are some of the, I think those are some of the things that are going on. The question is, what can we do about it? And that's kind of my, yeah. The third question I'd like us to talk about is what practices or safeguards can leaders actually put into their life to get, to be able to hang on to their calling and, and to, and to be healthy. So I have three words. I think every leader listening today should write down. Yeah. The first one, unless you're driving, the first one is ownership. The next one is network. And the third one is rhythms. Right on, yeah. And I just want to say something real quick that we we have a book coming out, Jim, here in in a couple of months. Yeah. uh, On this very subject, it's called Unshakable Leader. Yeah. The Simple Yet Amazing Power of Alignment. Yeah. And uh, so we're excited about that. And we're going to, we'll share a little bit more about that in the, in the next pods. But, you know, just saying those words, like when you say ownership, network, and rhythms, my head nodded all three times. Like, absolutely right. Those are, and what's missing right now, I mean, the, the thing that's causing all this uproar is the inconsistency, the change of rhythm, yeah. the loss of network. The, I think we're, so. We're not, we're not we, that ownership of responsibility. People, whoever talks the loudest seems to get the most attention today, not the person who's speaking the truth. Yeah. Like, that's what's wrong, isn't it? It's these three things. In a, in a corporate way, have been really slapped around, but that doesn't mean that our so. private lives these have to be slapped around. We can work hard to make these things happen in our own correct our own souls. Correct, and and so by ownership, Jim, I simply mean this: that you take ownership for your your emotional well being. Yeah, you you own that. You steward that. Yeah. Um, no one else will or should do that for you. Yeah, Jim, you're responsible for that yeah. in your life. I'm responsible. Now I need your help sometimes, sure. and I'll reach out for help, but. I can't expect you to understand where I'm at in that area. Like somehow you're going to know that about me. Yeah. And I think sometimes we, that's how we operate. Yeah. Well, people should know I'm struggling. No, 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 that doesn't, yeah. it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So that's what I mean by ownership. Network simply is a network, including relationships that really are important to you. Mm-hmm. So I think like your doctor, a counselor, a mentor, and some deep friendships. Yeah. That's your network. Your spouse yeah. is part of that, right? Yeah. If you're married. Uh, and then rhythms, uh, to get and stay healthy, boy, do we ever need to adopt good personal rhythms in our life, work and yeah. rest. There's yeah. a rhythm, uh, physical rhythms, you know, of, of uh, sleep and, and activity, uh, spiritual rhythms, uh, spending time with God. And, and, you know, now we're starting to gather again. So that's a rhythm, right? The, the public yeah. gathering that's been out of our lives for, and I think that's hurt us. Yeah. Uh, I understand why it's happened, but it, it hasn't really helped. I think it's hurt in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And then relational rhythms as well. So those three words, these are preventive things that we can do, Jim, that will help us hang on to the call of God in our life. 
Now, you said there was four, and our time is, it seems like the time goes so quick, doesn't it? We start yes. talking about this stuff. Give us a fourth one. We'll do this one really fast. You know, here's a question that I think, this is not just for leaders, this is really for the people that they're leading. What can followers do to help their leaders Huge. have better mental and emotional health? The first one is to accept their humanity. You know, your leader is not a robot. He's, he or she is not a superhero. Mm-hmm. They are ordinary human beings who have limitations with their time, with their energy, and with their skill. So just accept the fact that they're, they are human and they have limits. Yeah. Secondly, respect their space. You know, leaders need space. They need undisturbed time with their family. They need undisturbed time with close friends. They're just like you. Yeah. Um, they have the right. Not only do they have the right, they have the obligation to set healthy boundaries in terms of their schedule. So I was just talking with a group of pastors this morning before I drove up here, Jim, saying, look, you have to have a stop time every day. Yeah. You shouldn't be taking calls at 930 at night. Uh, unless they're truly emergencies. And in 16 years of pastoral ministries, I can count on one hand <laughs> the number of genuine emergencies yes. that crossed my desk in, yeah. in 16 years. Yeah. Um, and then thirdly, if you're a, a, a congregation member or a parishioner, step up, contribute to the cause with your time and your talent and your prayer and your treasure. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think followers do have some responsibility to their leaders when it comes to this Jim. that yeah. you know it's a it's it's a kind of like a community thing in a way i own that as a leader but boy i need a community who understands me yeah. and allows me some space to be normal i guess right maybe that's what i'm really to be driving human. at here. yeah yeah to be you yep yeah absolutely I, I could not agree with these things more, John. I, I think that staying as leaders, if we're not healthy, whatever we build will not be healthy. Right. If we are healthy, whatever we will build. And you say, well, it's not, it's not what it was, not what my dreams were. I, I think God can use healthy, small healthy things, like a dozen disciples, are better than stadiums full of casual followers who are unhealthy. So yeah. let's, let's build this in our own lives and the lives of others. Yeah. So um, I, I know that there's, you would say this, because I've heard you say it, if someone's really hurting right now, they're they're getting ready to throw in the towel, and that could be ministry, that could be marriage, that could be their own yeah. life. Tell them tell them what to do. So if you find yourself in any of those categories that Jim just mentioned, please reach out for help. Yeah. Humble yourself. Get to your doctor. Get to a counselor. If you don't know a good counselor, reach out to us, and we'll yeah. connect you to a yeah. good counselor. And and we're here to listen as well. But listen, if you're really struggling, it won't get better if you just ignore it. Or it won't get better if you just say, well, the brighter days are ahead. Yeah, I believe brighter days are ahead for you, but you need to take action. So depression and anxiety were never meant to be carried by yourself. Right. Never. They're too heavy of a burden. Right. So reach out. I even use the word impossible. Yes. You are are being foolish. You're You're asking yourself to do something that no one before you has been able to do. Yeah. You do need help. And and we're here, and professionals are here, and friends are here. And That's right. Yeah, good. So tell us about Pod 48. Okay. This one is going to be entitled, Taking a Vacation from Your Vocation. <laughs> a little play on words there. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to talk just to wrap about how vacationing helps us with vocationing. Yes. And uh, how, to, how to take a great vacation or how to, how to enjoy some of the, the real benefits of it. Right on.
Yeah, I love it. I vacations don't start when you get in the car. They start like six months before you get in the car. Hmm. I I enjoy the thought of vacation for six months before I get in the car. Okay. I've actually had Christmases that were better six weeks before Christmas, preparing for Christmas, setting up the tree, baking the cookies, buying the gifts than Christmas morning was. I hmm. I am totally into the thought of vacation, so I can't wait for that one. All right. Good. All right. Well, in the meantime, uh, again, you know, we talk about reaching out to us. What's the best way to get a hold of us, John? Convergecoach.com. Select the Start a Conversation button, and that will uh, get us connected. Right on. Terrific. Thanks so much for your time. And as always, if there's anything else that we can do for you, just know that we're praying for you. We will resource you any way we can and connect you with other people that, are, that have the same dreams or you're trying to figure out how to get to the next level, all these things. That's, what, that's all we do all day long, and we would love to help any way we can. So until next time, we just praying that you continue to lead from Alignment.